Hi, y'all. I'm Amy. And I'm Jess. And we are two sober women committed to helping you live an optimized life. This show is about stories and strategies to help you optimize your health, your relationships, and your businesses. We focus on keeping it simple and having fun. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to optimize your life with plant medicine and psychedelics. And over the past few years, I have really um, done a significant amount of research in this space. I'm just finding it so fascinating, all of the therapeutic benefits that they are finding with these plant medicines and psychedelic compounds. And so they're currently being studied um, in, in everything from PTSD to depression, to anxiety, to addiction, to healing past trauma. They're even being used at end of life with terminal cancer patients. They're being used in smoking cessation programs and even in eating disorders. And so what we, would, what we thought we would do today is bring on an expert in this space to kind of walk you through the ins and outs of, of plant medicine and psychedelics. And so on today's podcast, we have a very special guest. Um, his name is Ian Benwies. He is the General Counsel of Veterans for Natural Rights. This is a uh, veterans organization dedicated to veteran healing and reintegration. He is a West Point graduate. He's a former Black Hawk helicopter pilot. He's a former U.S. Army and combat veteran who participated in Operation Just Cause in the Republic of Panama, which was the biggest operation in history directed towards the war on drugs. And he has been healing himself for over 25 years with natural earth medicines, a spiritual practice, and as a student and practitioner of ethnobotany. He has organized and participated in numerous trips with veterans to Mexico, Peru, and other locations for ethnobotanical healing. And this work has even been captured in some really amazing documentaries, including From Shock and Awe um, to Soldiers of the Vine. And um, our paths intersected a couple years ago through medicine work. And I have just um, been in awe of everything um, he has done to help the veteran community, all the work that he's done over the years, um, just in this space of healing. So Ian, welcome to the podcast. And if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit with our audience, more about your background and what from a personal level led you to this work and then how has this work changed your life? And I know that's a lot to unpack there, but we really would just love to hear all about you and your journey. So again, welcome. Thank you, Jess, and thank you, Amy, for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, I grew up in Hawaii where cannabis was decriminalized ahead of the D.A.R.E. program and the meth epidemic that came in part of the cannabis suppression and went to West Point, flew Black Hawk helicopters in the Army, went down to Panama for Operation Just Cause and before, which was a drug interdiction operation along with regime, regime change. Got out of the military right before Iraq and Afghanistan. Went to work for Pfizer at the peak of, well, it's been a long peak, but <laughs> peak of the pharmaceutical industry. Went to law school, did the corporate world, raised a family, and I'd done a bunch of plant medicine work after the army while i was in law school with the internet with the, the you know concurrent rise of the internet and i tell people did enough work on myself to be a you know good father and husband and 
then you know my children became the the medicine became the psychedelics raised the family and then five six years ago i met veterans at a cannabis event in texas the first one about you know, veterans in cannabis and ptsd and it moved things in me that i hadn't you know been aware of and i was crying and having all these reactions to that uh connection with veterans and i was like oh i haven't finished my work this is healing around 2.0 and i started back on the plant medicines which i knew from growing up in hawaii where in hawaii everyone grew cannabis in you know people's yards it was a it was part of the culture and mushrooms grew all around the high school that i went to where the <laughs> cattle crew came up towards the fences right by the by the high school so it was it was a part of the culture and then i went back to these medicines to continue my own healing and through that support the healing of veterans and uh, everyone else who can uh, benefit from them so it sounds like you've been literally around the world <laughs> with um with so many different healing modalities you know i mean what i really hear is just that how beautiful it is that you have been on this journey and of awareness thank you yeah yeah it's uh it's been really uh, helpful in that taking care of yourself is the best low side to have a positive impact on the world in really being work working with these veterans especially has uh yeah just really well it, it's it's engaged me to uh see see the higher mission in, in a lot of things so. i just wanted to know a little bit more about your journey of why of when you started to work with veterans like what opened up in you to see that all of the modalities that we were using weren't really working and you literally it sounds like you had a somatic experience to yes yes so being in there yes uh, so th the specific meeting was uh, veterans from Viet well korea vietnam uh panama grenada afghanistan and iraq so there were veterans from every war in attendance and it was the first time uh, anyone had been talking about cannabis as a medicine to help veterans with PTSD and nightmares and addiction and all those other things. And uh, I was sitting there hearing these stories and I knew that veterans were killing themselves. I knew there was PTSD. I knew that there was the pharmaceuticals that weren't, weren't helping them. Uh, but that exactly somatic reaction I had, I'm like, I'm, I was crying. I was just crying. For, you know, they're, they're talking for a couple of hours, you know, and different people sharing their stories. And uh, I just, couldn't stop crying <laughs> and, and then that was like my body's way of telling me hey uh, you need uh, you your work isn't done I need attention <laughs> and uh, it was just a dovetailing to there of being able to help myself while I knew these medicines worked from my childhood my growing up experience to share that knowledge with other people that could help them not just to be like hey well these things might help you but I, I've worked with them and know that they can Yes, so, so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And that really leads me into this question. You know, I have been a seeker of my own wellness, of understanding what mental health even meant, um, just coming from a family where mental illness, you know, I was waiting to get it because my birth mom was diagnosed. And when I found um, psychedelics, I lived in Texas at the time, so nothing was we're, really we're in texas i grew up in san antonio and then Ooh. went to school in austin and um just right after high school found psychedelics in austin 
and was starting to use them as medicine for myself and my friends. And we'd even like set up different rooms and have different experiences in the different rooms. And this was a release room and this was a this room. And, you know, just I didn't have any idea what I was doing, just really going with my intuition. And there's just this stigma of it's not right. That's not the way to heal. Go to pharmaceuticals, do these other things that are FDA approved. And that never really resonated with me. And so over the last five years, how have you seen this start to shift in, in our world? And specifically, I have such a heart for, of course, any kind of recovery and specifically the military. You know, I mean, I just see so much mistreatment and literally in so many ways mistreatment and when yeah. you shared about the somatics i was just like yes and no one can take that away the somatic experiencing of getting through something and not around something is the power of this medicine well and that's the thing where the ego's holding on to for protection that's the r where it's literally using so well, so really the, the question is, in the past five years, how have I seen people's attitudes shift, change uh, in relation to these medicines? Well, in one way, everything old is new again. We've been co-evolving with the cannabis plant for tens of thousands of years. That's how we first caught fish in the funnel nets in the streams where it would grow in our encampments and then we'd make rope out of it. That's how we got the bigger brains. So we've been working with this plant forever. It's this recent phenomenon of the drug war. <laughs> And that we're, you know, still, uh, still fighting against it. And that's been going on since 1937, probably really effectively. And uh, the cannabis has a government patent on it. Uh, Marinol, the synthetic THC, is an FDA-approved drug. <laughs> now, of course, we have hemp that we didn't have before with the, with the farm bill. And so uh, all these things of chipping away uh, THC in the plant uh, are, are, are coming down. So I believe that uh, hemp, the farm bill, will take care of the profit motive objection, and CBD will take care of the, 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 the more social stigma because everyone's giving CBD to their dogs and grandma's taking CBD. So it's just one step, as we know, one little chain to go from CBD to THC. And then... Uh, then I think psychedelics are right in tow. And I did wonder back in the day of more drug reform stuff, how psychedelics would, you know, this cannabis is finally getting recognized to be solved for that psychedelics would get left behind. And that of course hasn't happened. It's gone the other way where MDMA and psilocybin uh, are, you know, in phase three <laughs> trials with expanded access. And there's so, I mean, there's no denying that their efficacy. So, uh, the drug wars fed all this misinformation. Dare uh, has really programmed people, putting all the kids on Ritalin and Adderall and, and every other kind of medicine. You know, you're a high school football player and you get a shoulder, shoulder separation, then all of a sudden, you know, six, six months later, you're a heroin addict. You know, so these, these things are uh, rife through society and everyone's seeing, wow, the, you know, there's not a pharmaceutical paradise out there that you can uh, get to. And these plant medicines uh, are tried and tested. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the form that, 
I, I know that now this coronavirus seems like it's going to be accelerating everything. So it's, it seems that that's going to uh, increase the scene of the value of those things even, even sooner, faster, more quickly. Maybe, so. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Because yeah, it has been interesting to watch the, the evolution and how quickly that it's been happening. And I know for me, it, it, and similar to, to both of you and growing up in Hawaii as well, mm-hmm. yes, everything that you said is, is my experience too. <laughs> and um, I have very fond memories of my childhood there, as I'm sure you do as well. Um, but it's interesting how now it's kind of come back to the forefront, right? And, you know, being in recovery and watching a lot of people that I love and care about really struggle with addiction and mental health issues traditional, you know, recovery and 12-step treatment drug rehab centers weren't working for them. That's when this came onto my radar a couple years ago, because I started reading and listening to podcasts about how this was really helping people with addiction and trauma and and anxiety and depression that people were self-medicating for. And that really opened the door for me to kind of really lean into it. And I have been just on this mission ever since, because I've seen it change so many lives. And so I'd love for you to just share uh, for those listeners that are new to this space. um, Can you give us like a high level overview of some of the modalities, the psychedelic plant medicine modalities that are out there and how, um, how they're being used and like, how would somebody know which one to do first in order to get intended results, if that makes sense? That's, that's a great question. I think maybe what I can do is talk about sort of an amalgamation of veterans, right, to kind of average, but just to tell a story uh, of what someone goes through <laughs> from start to finish on their pharmaceutical or me- medicine pathway, right? And that'll cover some of these, that'll cover all the different medicines as, as we go. So back in the day, someone saw 9-11, they signed up to fight, to go to some other country, they served. In service, they were injected with all sorts of uh, vaccines for, you know, uh, different <laughs> pathogens and for traveling to other parts of the world, exposed to uh, IEDs, exposed to uh, medicines, benzodiazepines, and all sorts of other medicines while on service, and then medicine for the pain from getting, you know, blown up and whatnot. So they serve. 25% of them come back with PTSD at a minimum, you know, like by the, the government numbers and standards. And uh, they use alcohol as a culturally approved substance to numb the pain. The, the, the first priority of triaging, and I'm not, I don't live in that world, but you know, they're sharing with me in the world they're bringing in is like, not, you can't sleep at night because of nightmares, right? That's the first one. And then, then you do the rest of your day when you're just more hyper aroused. And so uh, they use alcohol to numb the pain, but it doesn't help the somatic processing occur. And then uh, they're doing other high-risk activities or whatnot. And so, uh, and then they're on all these medicines, which might be 20 to 30 pharmaceuticals a day. And this is true for people that aren't necessarily veterans either in our society, right? And so they're on this cocktail of medicines and a lot of the side effects are suicide and suicidal ideation. So eventually the, side, the, 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 the path, the pharmaceutical pathway for all this stuff, the dead end is killing themselves. They try, they're unsuccessful. 
they get their lives together, get off the meds at the same time, simultaneously getting on cannabis, and then from cannabis, it's starting to treat all their symptoms where they can sleep at night for nightmares, so they're not having insomnia, they're not having anxiety during the day because of triggering, and they can get basic functionality sorted, but they still have the deeper somatic experiences in their body from their service and from their childhood that they need to address uh, with deeper medicines, and that's the, the point usually where I meet them through the medicine work, where they're getting into deeper medicines, whether that would be, they might have already gotten ketamine legally in the U.S. at the ketamine clinic, but it might, could, or same thing even now with expanded access for MDMA, but it's mushrooms and iboga uh, and 5-MeO-DMT and uh, DMT. And uh, I've you know, gotten to work with veterans in, in Peru and Mexico uh, with those medicines. Yeah, so, and, and then so, so these the soldiers, so as, as an example, this is true for, for people, those the same, uh, in this one Navy SEAL that I know, you know, he, he uh, grew up, so he was, and he was uh, put ahead in school, so he was bullied, and then he played football, so he's got some, you know, traumatic brain injury, and then he was uh, a SEAL, and so, you know, the, the, whole, the whole panoply of uh, of stuff and so uh, for the addiction you know that ibogaine is, is specifically good for that because the other plant medicines will uh, address the source of the trauma but not necessarily give you the uh, you know receptor reset right that that, that iboga uh, can do and so uh, it's unique for that and just some of the brain healing across all the different receptor sites both traumatic brain injury uh, and trauma and uh, yeah then then the other medicines uh, are just you know sort of work in different ways of different you know uh, systems of the body and it's really much more than of a, of a customized approach of what people are taking along the way you know what i'm saying of those of, of bufo and ayahuasca and mushrooms and Wachuma, you know, San Pedro, all, all those things, it's completely custom to people. We could, you know, maybe talk more questions about those individually, but uh, it's probably a good high level. Thank you so much, Ian. Oh, gosh, I, I'm finding myself emotional because I, you know, firsthand just know what's available for, for people and, yeah. and that there are just so many different ways. And, you know, what I notice, especially in the communities that I serve and in kind of the old school train of thought that is still very much present in, in treatment centers. And I mean, we, I don't even want to get into the capitalism that's associated with all of that as well. But there's this line that they, th they, th they say, you know, like, whatever, that's just another form of self-medicating. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, not so much. And there is a fine line between self-medicated and healing. I mean, I can eat too much almond butter, you know, just to kind of Amen. numb myself down. And, and I'm aware of it, right? And not, not everyone is. But in my opinion, and I'd love to, for us to elaborate on this, for me, environment is everything. Setting is everything. You know, having a trained guide to take me on a journey or even the journey that I take the people that I work with on, you know, like I am their guide. I lead them to their truth. However, you know, without a guide, that ego, as you put it earlier, will, will interrupt the process or that transmitter reset won't happen. And then there's opportunity without a guide to actually create more pain and more, you know, 
maybe dysfunctional or I don't even like that word, but more harm. That yeah. easily. So can you tell me like your opinions on that fine line of self-medicating and healing and then sure. those people that really just love that recreational use, which some listeners might be there like, oh, whatever, they're just trying to get off or trying to, they're breaking their sobriety or whatever. And I'm like, no, actually, it's a deep healing process. <laughs> sure. And you look at all the words, right? We create these false dichotomies that there's two possible polarities there. And why is recreational, which is recreational, a bad word? But we've made it into a bad word, right? Because if we're not working hard, smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee, and then blowing steam off with alcohol after work, we're not contributing to the American dream. Well, until Corona now, then I'll, I'll bet you Yeah, well, I mean, it's, that's that masculine approach, you know, without the feminine balance. And as, that is a huge part of my recovery is learning to receive and to be in the receiving. And I was like, you're not allowed to cry, you know, like get it yeah. done. Get it. I grew up in Texas. Get it in. You know, <laughs> we go big and we go home. <laughs> yeah. Well, how's this? When I, I met uh, Terrence, one of Terrence McKenna's children, that's his son down in Mexico, at these botanical preservation corps conferences in Palenque in the late nineties. And he said, all drug or med whatever word he used, you know, medicine use is self-medicating. And I was like, what? You know, that's kind of, and, but I, I, over time I realized he's absolutely right. And like you said, whether it's almond butter, pornography, TV, religion, sex, but it's all, it's all receptor biology at the, you know, not taking away the spirit, I think, but at, at the, at the physical level, that's what's happening. And so whether your body, whether, whether it's almond butter or whatever else it is, it's going to make it feel good. It has the same physiological response. Is it healthy for you? Then that's a totally uh, different question. So I, I think uh, I, the way I look at all of it, it's you are what you eat. What I learned in seventh grade health class. And it's like whether that's good food, good vision, good people, whatever. And so if you're eating poorly, that's going to show in, in your body. And then I would, I would you know, we could totally get into the microbiome, and I think how people have, uh, you know, don't recognize our original brain <laughs> and uh, take care of it, and they're too focused on their third brain instead of their second and first brains. <laughs> I love <Thank> it. You. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I would like to, I would love for you to elaborate a little bit on that because that's our jam here. And I have a little hashtag that I started on whatever Instagram: all things you ingest matter. Well, there you go. Yes, exactly. And that's the whole thing. It's the, it's the holographic nature of the universe as above, so below. This thing is a temple and it's like we, uh, we talk crappy to ourselves inside of ourselves and put a bunch of garbage in and we're like, how come I'm not happy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's not as complicated. I mean, exactly. Guide and preparation and protocols and help and all that. But, but, but at the core, people are making it uh, way more complicated than, than it needs to be. Yeah, and I guess one thing that you did just mention in there is um, the guide part. So will you yeah. explain to just our listeners a little bit about what, you know, in Peru and Mexico where these things are, are legal, what a guide looks like in this process? Sure, sure. And uh, yeah, I've had the blessing of doing these medicines in traditional cultures where they have lineages of these medicines for, you know, thousands of years. And having that guide is providing the container in the context to safely go deep and then be able to understand, to safely take the medicines and process them and then all the after processing of understanding 
uh, what's what's happening. And so uh, that's key. And, and I'll frame it really in a different way that like working with the veterans, if I help somebody go go deep and open up, but they have no support structure to process that, then that's almost worse than not being opened up to begin with. And that's, re- that's really kind of almost the opposite way of saying it, right? It's the reverse of saying if you do these things and you just, you can go super deep, but if you don't have the support structure to integrate it, it's, it's like you had your whole thing, your whole body, your temple taped together with duct tape and mud and gum and crazy glue. And then you went and shot a bunch of water on it. And it's like, oh, it's clean now, but it's raw and completely unprotected and not functional the way it was. And if you don't have someone, whether that's best friend, partner, guide, teacher, whatever, you know, support system, I call it, like, you know, spiritual battle buddy, whatever that person, you know, what their status or name or whatever is, but to support them, it, it can't work. And especially with the medicines, because the reframing is so big. If you don't have someone who's had that experience as well, that you're just going to sound crazy to each other. And uh, that's just disaster for a relationship. It's not, <laughs> I, I went and got religion, fundamentalism, whatever the vision, the word, and you don't have it. And, <laughs> and, you know, until we can come to terms, uh, you know, things are unsettled. So not a good recipe. I love that. Thanks again for, for going into that. And I would like you to unpack a little bit what um, what these medicines do and how they affect the gut microbiome and how that yeah. in turn affects neurotransmitter production, right? Yes. What a lot yes. about. I'd love to talk about that. Well, some of the levels go over, we can share all the facts we know. So we 80 to 90% of the serotonin we produce is produced in the gut. There's literally bacteria that live in there that have the passcodes for the serotonin production. And that information is connected to the brain through the longest uh, cranial nerve, the vagus nerve, which is nerve zero because we didn't have a name, a number for it in the 12, right, that we previously understood. And that uh, is coming from our first brain, our, our gut. And so that's 80 to 90% of our mood is coming from our gut, for our happiness anyway. <laughs> right off the bat, we have the number of neurons of our brain of a cat gut of a cat brain, excuse me, in our gut. <laughs> so that's how smart our first brain is, as smart as a, as a house cat. And then we have what, I think it's 10,000 mirror neurons in our, uh, in our heart. So we got, we got neurons all over the place. Okay, th- that's this great question about how do the different uh, medicines you know, work in sort of the receptor sites or systems, the endocrine gl- uh, glands, excuse me, in the body. And uh, Iboga is a, um, both a beta carboline and a tryptamine. And uh, so it's able to work in the tryptamine class along with 5-MeO-DMT, DMT, and psilocin or hydroxyl DMT from mushrooms. And like the ayahuasca vine or Syrian rue, uh, chocolate, mopacho, passion flower, uh, and the iboga are all also monoamine oxidase inhibitors which then they work on the epigenetic level at the, uh, on the DNA, being able to up or down regulate protein synthesis, uh, which is how you uh, get that kind of, you know, people feel the defragging their hard drive or scrubbing every cell effect in their body and responding to their attention is all through these beta carbolines, uh, being able to have the intention your intentions reflected onto the medicine and the medicine is literally working on your body uh, up and down regulating your uh, uh, 
in the DNA. And so, uh, and it helps, of course, to work on all these other receptor sites on this tryptamine part uh, to, uh, to uh, reset those receptors, the same kind of thing like up and down regulating the uh, protein of the DNA, doing the same thing in the uh, receptor sites in the brain, taking away the compulsive and addictive behavior patterning that the person uh, had before. And um, so, let's see. Uh, Cannabis is in a unique class by itself. It's uh, an endocannabinoid, and we have two natural uh, endocannabinoids, SGA2 and anandamide. Anandamide uh, also being in chocolate and uh, in truffles. And uh, then the cannabis plant has these phytocannabinoids, and uh, of which there's you know at least uh, <laughs> 60 that we're aware of and discovering new ones every day and that works in our endocannabinoid system which is you know, one of the oldest and most widespread systems in our body and then uh you know a mescaline uh or other uh, phenethylamines of which you could say that mdma is a semi-synthetic phenethylamine uh, and uh, they work to reduce fear and uh, increase heart opening and uh, are great for you know trauma and conflict resolution and uh, depersonalizing access to you know somatic uh, experiences and uh then the, i'd say the mushrooms and the and the uh the dmt and the 5-meo dmt are all good for doing the uh, bigger biographical aka you are the universe <laughs> work that's necessary to uh be functional because if you feel better, but you still have unhappiness and trauma from before in your life, uh, that's going to manifest in your unhappiness and lack of functionality. And these medicines can help you go and do that deep underlying work to uh, address and resolve those issues. So. I, um, I I love everything that you just shared. And I just have to ask you to please just go a little deeper on the last part because- Sure, sure. Um, you know, I just get so super excited about the intergenerational just healing that I know I was put on this earth to do. And I talk about this often and it, it kind of just goes over people's heads and I'm like, no, really, like you are the transitional character. And, you know, will you just share a little bit about what you've seen in your lifetime in this work in families? I think that's where the real opportunities are, couples, families, because then you tap into the family stuff, you're getting into the ancestral healing. And again, then that taps into the battle buddy stuff of giving people these medicines one off as individual doesn't support the collective uh, reintegration. And uh, yeah, I've had the, the fortune and blessing and benefit of seeing and you know, sharing the medicine work where uh, you had you know parents and children getting to do medicine work together i mean i think anyone who's done plant medicine work that's their that's their big fantasy <laughs> getting their parents uh, you know to, to take the medicine and uh, I'm, I'm, well I, I was gonna say i'm not there yet but I, i've seen my parents take my medicine of improving myself in a positive way that they're like hey we like you better so that's uh, that's been a medicine that they that they that they can take uh, but I think that these medicines uh, create opportunities for peak experiences and, and transpersonal experiences. And when people can experience those together, they can see close and loved ones in a whole new way in life. It's very liberating. And I had the fortune of 
you know, drinking ayahuasca with my son over three days. And it was fun just to be brother to brother with him. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm your dad, but like we're fellow human beings. Yeah. We share genetic stuff and I, you know, but it's like, we're just fellow human beings. And that was super liberating to just for an overall relationship, just to have that uh, kind of experience. So yeah, I think it's really uh, I, nothing more incredible in this medicine work than watching families do work and then bring that into their lives and then share with other members, whether they're doing medicine or not. Thank you so much for sharing that. That brings up so much for me personally. Um, Cause you know, my sister was really struggling this time last year and had it not been for the work that we did in Brazil together. Uh, I, I don't know if, if our lives would have looked the way that they do today. And I have so much gratitude and I'm just really grateful for you, Ian, for all the work that you do with veterans and you've supported my dad, who's a veteran mm. and helped him. So I'm just, I have so much gratitude. <laughs> so thank you for sharing all of that. I, I, like, all the feels right now. Yeah. Whew. Kind of, this is almost like we're, we're in, in the energy together, right? Yes. So, well, and well, thank, you, thank you so much for, for coming on and just sharing all your wisdom. And if people are interested in learning more about your work, what is the best way for them to contact you? That is a great question. These days you can find me, psychedelicmusulman.com, psychedemus.com. We'll go to the same place. Probably people want to know how to spell those things. If you go to psychedelic timeshare, you can find me. Uh, give some of those things a try and I bet you'll find me. My last name is pretty easy to find in the search engine, so I usually will come up. Awesome. Well, Thanks. we'll definitely include those in our show notes um, for people. And I know you, you, yeah. you've also recently started a podcast. Yeah, right? yeah. No, thank you for that too. And that, that's, that's the Psychedelic Timeshare. I started to put that on SoundCloud and, and I will give a shout out to the projects that I've been blessed to, you know, be part of and soldiers of the vine is a uh, documentary that you can watch for free on youtube about veterans and plant medicines and healing and then uh, shock to awe is a movie that you can rent or uh, buy on all the you know, streaming services about uh, veterans and then really the, the part you guys are talking about and this is the whole next step the next generation is all the healing of families the following veterans and their spouses and it's really uh, from shock to awe uh, powerful stuff so yeah so you'll find me Awesome. Thank you guys. You guys are incredible. And this is, yeah, this is beautiful. That is, here's we are in 2020. This is what's happening. This is real. This is live. <laughs> uh, and that we're, we're recording this in, in, in the great awakening, as I call yes. it, right? Yes. And that to me is really exciting to see the evolution that's going to come out of what we're in today with the COVID-19 coronavirus. So I have to think there has to be some really great things that, that are needing to come through this experience. Yes, and if, to give a shout out to the Psychedelic Timeshare, since it is a comedy format, we've had the coronavirus on both of our episodes. So uh, come, if you're interested to hear the, the words directly from the coronavirus, please go check out our show. I love it. <laughs>